The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Less TV uh, and not setting it something in, in stone so I don't have to feel too bad when I, when I don't succeed uh, or, or something like that. But to have some sort of intentions, but we often do this at the beginning of the year where we, we kind of want to eat better, we want to exercise more, we want to save more money towards some goal, we want to spend more time with our kids, we want to start learning a language, whatever it is. Um, you know, we set these goals because we recognize that in the busyness of the year that's gone, we may have uh, perhaps lost some balance in our life, or we realize, oh, wait a second, I'm another year older, there's some things that I haven't done yet that I want to do with my life. Um, you know, we want to we try and bring our lives into order a little bit more. Um, it's, it's an exercise of gaining um, mastery over ourselves, I suppose, to, to get a bit more control on our situation and, and on our lives. Um, and for the record, I think it's a good idea, I think it's a reasonable practice to think intentionally about our life, to, to sort of number our days, as it were, and to think, well, I'm, if the Bible is right that I'm like grass and I'm not going to live forever, well, then I want to be, you know, I want to use my grassiness uh, for its most productive sort of ends. Um, and so it's good to have these moments of, of uh, considering our life and to, and to make some intentional planning. But in doing that... Uh, what we often see, certainly broadly in our society, but I think also um, within ourselves, that, that kind of transition from, from feasting at Christmas to sensible forward planning, um, our emphasis can very much be about um, self-mastery. You know, how can I make, how can I make myself to be the, the best me that I am? You know, that kind of idea. Um, and we very quickly forget that at Christmas we were just celebrating, we were just declaring the birth of a king, you know, King Jesus. We go from that kind of celebration to then going, well, I'm going to be the, the kind of Lord of my life, I'm going to be in control of myself this year, uh, but the Christmas story tells us that, you know, Jesus, this king who is bringing the kingdom of God was born and so any effort at gaining sort of mastery over ourselves with our New Year's resolutions must consider uh, that there is in fact a king who claims mastery over all of us, this King Jesus. Now in the, in the passage that uh, we just, that Adi just read for us, um, we see this authority, this power of Jesus at work. You know, it's a, um, the, the passage that I, that I chose uh, to preach on um, is a little bit of a drop right in the action in, in Jesus. You know, Jesus has just kind of started his ministry in, in Luke's gospel um, and he's preaching at the synagogue in Nazareth and he makes that great sort of statement about his ministry. He's this fulfillment of this prophecy um, and they don't like that. Um, and, and as we started here in verse 31, um, we, we start getting this picture of, of Jesus' authority and power <clears throat> um, in, in his ministry. And, and you might have noticed 
um, in the reading, the amount of times things are rebuked. Jesus is just going about around rebuking everything. He's rebuking demons. He's rebuking uh, sicknesses. He's going out and exerting his authority and power over these various um, things. We can see this in, in three different, uh, I think, kind of three different categories um, that he shows his authority. Firstly, in verses 31, we see it in his teaching. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. He wasn't making suggestions about interpretations of the Scriptures. He wasn't um, saying, here's, here's my example, you can follow that if you like or not, but you know, you, you kind of do you. Um, he was speaking with authority. This is the fulfillment of these Scriptures that you see before you. This is what uh, the Word of the Lord says. He's teaching with authority. You know, in uh, Hebrews, I think it is, um, talks about Christ speaking through, you know, sort of pre-incarnate Christ speaking through the prophets by the Spirit. Um, Jesus is, is bringing to life, speaking with authority because He is the one who inspired the Scriptures in the first place. Um, and <clears throat> Jesus is speaking with great authority. The people... And as, as you read through the Gospels, you see this over and over and over again. People come with a question, come with a challenge, and he repeatedly says, well, you don't actually understand what the Scripture is saying. Um, you're misinterpreting it or you're putting some twist on it which isn't right. Uh, I will explain this to you. In his teaching, in his uh, giving of the Word, he possessed authority. Um, from the very beginning, and even really before the, the incarnation of Jesus, um, God has expected that His people would be shaped by His Word. That it's not a pick-and-choose relationship that we have with God's Word, um, but God gives us His Word for the purpose of forming us into the people that he would form us into, of uh, revelation, revealing himself to us so we know who God is, um, helping us see what is true and not true, what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. Um, and this has been collected, uh, passed down, uh, kept for us in the Scriptures. So if we want to uh, see the authority of God in His Word, the authority of Jesus in His teaching, um, we don't just look for the, you know, if you've got like a red-letter Bible or something like that, it's not just those bits. Uh, all of Scripture is God-breathed, and so uh, Jesus' authority, Jesus' teaching is, is collected and kept for us in His Word uh, with this purpose of shaping us, shaping us into His people. Uh, we see in our passage, it's not just in his teaching, but he has authority in the spiritual realm. Um, from verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. 
And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out, having done him no harm. So we have this, uh, this malevolent spiritual uh, demon, this malevolent spiritual being um, affecting this man, but he sort of, um, uh, I suppose, manifests itself, reveals itself as Jesus is speaking, speaking with his authority, um, and this, uh, this spirit, this demon, um, recognizes Jesus, and he notes you know, this contrast, what have you to do with us? <clears throat> but Jesus simply speaks. I mean, he rebukes him, right? He speaks firmly, be silent, come out of him. Um, he moderates what the, what the demon can do and orders him to come out and the demon obeys. You see, in other places in the Gospels where Jesus deals with um, demonically oppressed people, um, that there's often been a whole lot of effort about trying to help this person, uh, whether it is, <coughs> um, uh, you know, the, the, his disciples, are saying, oh, we've been trying to cast this demon out of this child, but we haven't been able to do it, what's with that? And Jesus says, oh, well, this one comes out this way or whatever. Um, or, you know, the guy who's in the tombs, or he's been chained, but he breaks the chains. These efforts that people have made um, to help these people to no avail, but Jesus has this authority. The demon recognizes Jesus as the Holy One of God, the one who has authority, not just over people, not just over the interpretation of Scripture, but he is the one who has authority in the spiritual realm over non-human beings. Beyond that, we see Jesus uh, also demonstrating authority in the physical realm. Jesus heals many. So from verse 38, uh, he rose and left the synagogue, entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And he's also casting out demons at that, uh, at that time as well, um, and he rebukes them uh, again. And so not only is Jesus um, sort of teaching with authority, he's not just exercising authority over spiritual things, but physical ailments as well, healing people of their sicknesses. Um, the passage notes both the, the severity and the diversity. Um, you know, all who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, laid his hands on them, healed them. Um, it didn't really matter what the affliction was. He was capable. He was able to heal Jesus has authority. Jesus has power in all of these realms. But we see in the passage that most of the uh, people or beings that Jesus is exercising his authority over, 
didn't want him to have authority over them. Um, I mean, we could take a, a step back in the previous passage and see how he makes this claim about himself as the fulfillment of, of this prophecy and they uh, kick him out. You know, his hometown people uh, reject him with this claim that he makes. Um, but we see it even clearly in our own passage. Um, if we look at the, go, go back and look at the, uh, the unclean uh, spirit, the, the, this demonically oppressed dude, um, <clears throat> what is the response when they recognize who Jesus is? You know, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You know, what <laughs> we've got, uh, we're not on the same team here. You know, uh, the expectation from this demon is, have you come to destroy us? We're not on the same team. I know who you are. I know you're the Holy One of God. I know you have this authority. I know you're, uh, you know, God's anointed one. Are you here to destroy me? Or are you here to destroy us? This demon is not saying, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can you have mercy on me? You know, can we make things right? There is an opposition that is, um, that is not stopping there. This demon expects some kind of uh, judgment, some kind of destruction, uh, some kind of, uh, of action by Jesus, by his authority. Now, of course, ultimately the answer is yes, as we look in Scripture, think, sort of look in Revelation and you see God's ultimate um, destruction, ultimate casting out of, of evil, of sin, of uh, demonic figures, of Satan and his angels, right? You see that authority and final uh, conquering of them. That is to come, but now's not quite the time. Jesus is happy to uh, cast this spirit out and cast the other ones out later in the passage. But this demon just it has to submit, I guess, to Jesus' authority, uh, not in the sense of um, willing, uh, willing submission to the authority of Jesus in a, in a kind of glad way to enjoy a renewed relationship, a refreshed relationship with Jesus, but he submits as one who has to um, be subject to punishment, Right? The demon is uh, persisting in opposition to Jesus and is only cast out because of Jesus' authority. It is um, similar to people who will continue to reject the offer of salvation from Jesus. The Bible says we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We, we, in our natural state, are alienated from God. We are objects of wrath. God's judgment is rightly on us because of our sin. For the one who continues to reject the offer of salvation in Jesus, their ultimate end will be judgment from him because they refused to come to him as, as Lord and Saviour. 
like this demon who will not or perhaps even cannot repent, you know, and will ultimately be the, be the subject of, of, of the object of Jesus' judgment. Subject? Let's get this wrong. Um, the person who will not submit, who will not trust, who will not repent, who will not bend the knee to the lordship and, and saviorship of Jesus will one day come under his judgment, his ultimate judgment. So we have the, 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 the demon operating in that way, this, this <clears throat> willful rejection of the authority of Jesus. The people in the story are slightly different. You know, in this uh, passage, the, the experience that the people have is pretty much all positive. The people have demons cast out of them. They are healed from their sicknesses. Life is better because Jesus has come and operated in his authority over the spiritual and physical realms. Uh, They are being healed. They're bringing people. Jesus is spending time with them in healing. And this is all very good. Um, And so what do they say? In verse 42... Uh, When it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. You know, Jesus, this is pretty good. You know, we actually have more sick people. Can you stick around? We would like you to stay here and continue doing what you have been doing. You know, they're seeing him as a miracle worker, as a powerful uh, healer. Perhaps they enjoyed his authority in teaching as well and and wanted to hear more. That's a good thing. And so, understandably, I think, they want to keep him for themselves. You know, it is undeniable that Jesus was improving life for them. But when they begin to say, no, you can't, we don't want you to go anywhere else, we want you to stay here with us, uh, they're really starting to treat Jesus like a vending machine, you know. We would like you to be our personal, uh, our personal healer, our personal life improver, please, um, just in our region, it's his, it's his kind of local region, and so they'd be happy to have him stick around, Right? This kind of attitude may be an accurate description of your view of Jesus today. I follow Jesus because life is better. You know, I'm, I'm trusting that he's going to keep me <coughs> healthy. I know that he's got the authority and power to do it. And so, you know, I want Jesus to look after me. It's a precarious place to be because when life isn't good, then what are you going to think about Jesus when there isn't really a promise in Scripture that Jesus is here just to make your life more comfortable? No, that's not what he he is on about. You see, 
when these people come and say this to him, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to the other towns as well, for I was sent, to this purpose, sent for this purpose. And he goes on and preaches elsewhere. You know, no, I'm not just going to stay here and continue healing you, making your physical uh, life now more comfortable, because I'm not here just for that. I'm here to bring a kingdom. I'm here to establish the kingdom of God. And that includes preaching and teaching the authoritative word of God so that people might understand what this kingdom is. It includes bringing this kind of foretaste of the salvation that this kingdom will include by healing, by casting out demons and things. Ultimately, it's about going to the cross, dying for our sins, and rising again in victory over sin and death so that we can be reconciled to God and invited into his kingdom, invited into his family. Now, that has a whole range of benefits and good things, but it's not just about benefits and good things in our current life. You know, there's a foretaste of heaven in the kingdom of God now, in salvation in Christ now. But the ultimate good life that we might have because of Jesus' power and authority isn't fully experienced this side of glory, this side of the new heaven and new earth. And so probably there are people in this region, you know, in Capernaum, in Galilee, there are people there that are still sick and still demonized when Jesus leaves. Now, that is a bit of a statement from silence, but presumably, if they're saying, you could still stay and do these things, and Jesus is saying, look, no, actually, because there's a bigger thing that I'm doing here, there is stuff that they're they're viewing as being not yet finished, right? These, These kind of afflictions are still there. And as Jesus travels around, as he goes, as he goes to Jerusalem, there's people everywhere, there's, uh, there's spiritual conflict everywhere. So while we can understand, you know, while the people here are, are wanting Jesus to stay, ultimately Jesus is saying, no, look, you're, you're looking for something that is second best, and uh, it's kind of like how, you know, later Peter will say, you know, Jesus says, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter says, what? You know, no way. That's, that's not going to happen. And, um, and Jesus just says, you don't get it. You know, you're, you're standing in the way of the purposes of God uh, by wanting this scenario to continue where actually I'm trying to bring a bigger and greater salvation that is bigger than, than what you've experienced, even the good things that you've experienced just here. So, we have, you know, these two, these two responses to Jesus' authority and power in this passage. Um, the, the demonic response, which is outright rejection of, of Jesus. You know, no, you will, not be, uh, you will not be master over us, even though by the fact of his authority, he's able to cast them out. Um, you do have the, the people's response, which is, hey, your power is so good, we would just like to manage that and have that in our cupboard so we can pull it off the shelf, please, and use it when it's convenient to us. And Jesus says, no, 
to that, that is the wrong response. There is something bigger going on here. My authority, my power, my ministry, my kingdom is not to just be um, packaged away and brought out when it's convenient. No, I'm building a kingdom and, and perhaps you might come and join me. Now, I think the, the, the one good example we see in this passage is, uh, is from Simon's mother-in-law. So if you go look at verse 38 and 39, uh, he leaves, Jesus leaves the synagogue, goes to Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law is ill. They appealed to him and he stood over here. He rebuked the fever. It left her. You know, he heals her of this sickness. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. You know how her response is, is a, like immediately out, outward facing in the sense of Jesus has, has healed me, has enabled me, I'm going to then serve him, I'm going to join him, I'm going to minister to his needs, I'm going to, I'm going to participate in what he is doing. She serves the people who are there um, as, a, as a, I guess, as an expression of what she has been rescued into. She's been saved from this sickness, and that's not just for her to enjoy the comforts of life, but it is indeed for her to participate in the kingdom of Jesus um, as he continues on his way. She doesn't oppose Jesus. She doesn't try to squeeze more out of Jesus. She serves him and others around him. So, circling back to the idea of New Year's resolutions, uh, what are we going to do in, in 2022? Uh, if you've made resolutions, those three people that were willing to put their hands up about that, uh, even if you haven't made any resolutions, um, I want to encourage you um, to make only one, um, you know, or maybe add one to the top of the list, but that is to not just be the master of yourself, but to be mastered by Jesus. Let Jesus master your life and join him in his mission. You know, uh, it, it might be scandalous to say it, maybe, but Jesus did not come to die and rise again just to join you in your mission in life. He came and lived and served and suffered and died and rose again to rescue you and me out of our broken and powerless resolutions and draw us into his powerful and perfect kingdom and purpose. So rather than building your own kingdom this year, rather than mastering yourself, submit to Jesus and enjoy the benefits of that, the blessings of that, and also hold on to him through the costs and responsibilities of that. They're certainly there. 
we see Jesus' disciples give up everything, even their own lives as they follow Him, and yet we have life to the full in Christ. Nowhere else, only in Christ. So, a couple of suggestions about um, in line with this being mastered by Jesus, uh, firstly, you need to make up your mind about Jesus. So if you're here kind of exploring who is this Jesus guy, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian necessarily. I want to encourage you in that exploration. Please do continue coming to church if you're kind of here on holidays or whatever and, you know, find a church somewhere but I'm sure the folks here at Life Centre would be very excited to, to speak to you and know you and, and help you along the way of investigating who this person is who is making such a claim on your life. But who is this guy who would willingly let himself be crucified for you? Uh, I think those are questions that can't wisely or rightly be ignored. So I'd encourage you, if you're exploring Jesus, continue on in that. Um, you want to know who he is. Um, for those of you who are uh, followers of Jesus, um, be hearers and doers. And what I mean is submit to Jesus' authoritative word. In 2022, um, Find a way, make a way to be soaking in scriptures, soaking in the scriptures, um, in your own kind of personal reading, um, getting involved in a, in a life group, um, however it might be, being at church each, each week um, as much as is, is possible. Uh, find a good Bible reading plan and do it, memorize scripture. Um, do this with people so that you can talk about how do I put this into practice in my life? Not just knowing stuff, but living in light of God's Word. It can so easily just become an intellectual kind of thing, um, but we want to see it change our hearts and the way we see the world and the way we live in light of Christ. Um, thirdly, as Jesus does at the end of this passage, uh, we want to prioritize the gospel. So if you have an option of prioritizing either your own uh, comfort or um, the ongoing work of the gospel, of gospel ministry, of gospel proclamation, of discipleship, of things, Jesus would say prioritize the gospel. That's what he does. He, he continues on to preach the good news um, and to work towards the cross. And so, as you're looking at this year, consider your time, consider your recreation, consider your money, consider your conversations, consider your career, and think, how might I prioritize the gospel in these things? It might not mean a radical upending of everything in your life, um, but it might mean a radical upending of your attitude towards everything in your life, to put the proclamation of Jesus first, to put the making of disciples first, to put the support of mission and, and church and uh, ministry 
first. So in 2022, um, be mastered by Jesus. Um, we're going to move into communion, um, and and I, you know, I, I recognise that in the in the passage that we're looking at, looking at Jesus' authority and power, um, thinking about this idea of Jesus mastering us, being our Lord, being our King, being our Master, that can strike us as being. Um, kind of overbearing or, or unpleasant to think, oh, I don't like it when people are uh, in charge of me. We don't like overbearing bosses. We don't like, um, you, know, we, we, um, you know, we don't want to be uh, abusive or overbearing parents or anything like that. Uh, and so we are, can, I think sometimes we can be concerned about this idea of Jesus being Lord. You know, we like the idea of him being Savior, uh, but do we like the idea of him being Lord. Um, but as we come to communion and we consider the body of Jesus broken for us, as we consider the blood of Jesus poured out for us, um, we're reminded that Jesus is not like a human king. He's not an overbearing tyrant using us for his own glory, right? He's not a distant monarch deaf to the sufferings of his subjects. He is the king who laid down his own life to rescue people into his kingdom. He's the king who lived as a peasant and knows the realities of our life. He's the king who exercises judgment, yes, but one who underwent punishment so that the guilty might be forgiven. You know, he has the authority and power to work all things according to his will, to throw down and conquer his enemies, to build his unstoppable kingdom, but he is love, he is grace, and he is mercy, and he showed us that at the cross. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.